Part 2, Section 14 of The Dark Flower. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Arturo J.R. 17. The Dark Flower by John Galsworthy. Section 31. That letter of hers fanned the flame in Lenin as nothing had yet fanned it. Earthiness. Was it earthiness to love as he did? If so, then not for all the world would he be otherwise than earthy. In the shock of reading it, he crossed his Rubicon and burned his boats behind him. No more did the pale ghost, chivalrous devotion, haunt him. He knew now that he could not stop short. Since she asked him, he must not, of course, try to see her just yet. But when he did, then he would fight for his life. The thought that she might be meaning to slip away from him was too utterly unbearable. But she could not be meaning that. She would never be so cruel. Ah, she would. She must come to him in the end. The world, life itself, would be well lost for love of her. Thus resolved, he was even able to work again, and all that Tuesday he modeled at a big version of the fantastic, bull-like figure he had conceived after the colonel left him up on the hillside at Beaulieu. He worked at it with a sort of evil joy. Into this creature he would put the spirit of possession that held her from him. And while his fingers forced the clay, he felt as if he had Cramier's neck within his grip. Yet, now that he had resolved to take her if he could, he had not quite the same hatred. After all, this man loved her too, could not help it that she loathed him, could not help it that he had the disposition of her, body and soul. June had come in with skies of a blue that not even London glare and dust could pale. In every square and park and patch of green, the air simmered with life and with the music of birds swaying on little boughs. Piano organs in the street were no longer wistful for the South. Lovers already sat in the shade of trees. To remain indoors when he was not working was sheer torture, for he could not read and had lost all interest in the little excitements, amusements, occupations that go to make up the normal life of man. Every outer thing seemed to have dropped off, shriveled, leaving him just a condition of the spirit, a state of mind. Lying awake, he would think of things in the past, and they would mean nothing, all dissolved and dispersed by the heat of this feeling in him. Indeed, his sense of isolation was so strong that he could not even believe that he had lived through the facts which his memory apprehended. He had become one burning mood, that and nothing more. To be out, especially amongst trees, was the only solace. And he sat for a long time that evening under a large lime tree on a knoll above the serpentine. There was very little breeze, just enough to keep alive a kind of whispering. What if men and women, when they had lived their gusty lives, became trees? What if someone who had burned and ached 
were now spreading over him this leafy peace, this blue-black shadow against the stars. Or were the stars, perhaps, the souls of men and women escaped forever from love and longing? He broke off a branch of the lime and drew it across his face. It was not yet in flower, but it smelled lemony and fresh even here in London. If only for a moment he could desert his own heart and rest with the trees and stars. No further letter came from her next morning, and he soon lost his power to work. It was Derby Day. He determined to go down. Perhaps she would be there. Even if she were not, he might find some little distraction in the crowd and the horses. He had seen her in the paddock long before the colonel's sharp eyes detected him, and, following in the crush, managed to touch her hand in the crowded gateway and whisper, Tomorrow, the National Gallery at four o'clock, by the Bacchus and Ariadne, for God's sake. Her gloved hand pressed his hard, and she was gone. He stayed in the paddock, too happy almost to breathe. Next day, while waiting before that picture, he looked at it with wonder, for there seemed his own passion transfigured in the darkening star-crowned sky and the eyes of the leaping god. In spirit, was he not always rushing to her like that? Minutes passed and she did not come. What should he do if she failed him? surely die of disappointment and despair. He had little enough experience as yet of the toughness of the human heart, how life bruises and crushes, yet leaves it beating. Then, from an unlikely quarter, he saw her coming. They walked in silence down to the quiet rooms where the Turner watercolors hung. No one, save two Frenchmen and an old official, watched them passing slowly before those little pictures, till they came to the end wall, and unseen, unheard by any but her, he could begin. The arguments he had so carefully rehearsed were all forgotten, nothing left but an incoherent pleading. Life without her was not life, and they had only one life for love, one summer. It was all dark where she was not, the very sun itself was dark. Better to die than to live such false, broken lives apart from each other. Better to die at once than to live wanting each other, longing and longing and watching each other's sorrow. And all for the sake of what? It maddened, killed him, to think of that man touching her when he knew she did but hate him. It shamed all manhood. It could not be good to help such things to be. A vow when the spirit of it was gone was only superstition. It was wicked to waste one's life for the sake of that. Society, she knew, she must know, only cared for the forms, the outsides of things. And what did it matter what society thought? It had no soul, no feeling, nothing. And if it were said they ought to sacrifice themselves for the sake of others, to make things happier in the world? She must know that was only true when love was light and selfish. But not when people loved as they did, with all their hearts and souls, so that they would die for each other any minute, so that without each other there was no meaning in anything. It would not help a single soul for them to murder their love 
and all the happiness of their lives, to go on in a sort of living death. Even if it were wrong, he would rather do that wrong and take the consequences. But it was not. It could not be wrong when they felt like that. And all the time that he was pouring forth those supplications, his eyes searched and searched her face. But there only came from her, I don't know, I can't tell, if I only knew. And then he was silent, stricken to the heart, till at a look or a touch from her, he would break out again, You do love me, you do. Then what does anything else matter? And so it went, on and on, that summer afternoon, in the deserted room meant for such other things, where the two Frenchmen were too sympathetic and the old official too drowsy to come. Then it all narrowed to one fierce, insistent question. What is it? What is it you're afraid of? But to that, too, he got only the one mournful answer, paralyzing in its fateful monotony. I don't know. I can't tell. It was awful to go on thus beating against this uncanny, dark, shadowy resistance, these unreal doubts and dreads that by their very dumbness were becoming real to him, too. If only she could tell him what she feared. It could not be poverty. That was not like her. Besides, he had enough for both. It could not be loss of a social position, which was but irksome to her. Surely it was not fear that he would cease to love her. What was it? In God's name, what? Tomorrow, she had told him, she was to go down, alone, to the river house. Would she not come now, this very minute, to him instead? And they would start off, that night back to the south, where their love had flowered. But again it was, I can't, I don't know, I must have time. And yet her eyes had that brooding love light. How could she hold back and waver? But, utterly exhausted, he did not plead again, did not even resist when she said, You must go now, and leave me to get back. I will write. Perhaps, soon, I shall know. He begged for and took one kiss, then, passing the old official, went quickly up and out. End of section 31